Welcome to podcast episode 224. I'm Stuart McCullough. I'm the CEO of VHAA. Joining me for today's discussion is Madeline White, uh, Workplace Relations Consultant. Welcome, Maddie. Hi, Stuart. Maddie, you've done this before. You know that there's a clue, and the clue will suggest the subject for today's discussion. Uh, we'll show we'll show a little bit of that clue right now. Where am I? So based on that uh, snippet, uh, what would you say the subject is, Maddie? Um, it's an interesting one. It's a clip of Arnold Schwarzenegger in a in a car. So the only thing I can think of in terms of our enterprise agreements is we're maybe going to be talking um, about travel allowance, travelling to and from work across our agreements. It's not a bad guess. So I'm going to play a little bit more. Let's see if that helps. How did I get in this taxi? The door open. Still very much taxi focused, Maddie. Uh, any sort of revision yeah. to that earlier answer of travel allowance? I, I don't think so. I think I'm going to stick with my initial guess. Uh, just on theme, do you recall that the first answer was travel allowance? I do now. <laughs> There's a subtle clue in there. We'll, we'll show one, one more, uh, one more piece. Address. Would you please repeat that? Well, I think that's enough footage, uh, Maddie. Uh, time to commit to an answer. Uh, what's your final answer? I'm going to stick to my guns. I'm, st I'm going to stay with that. I'm pretty happy with my guess. It is a very good, it's an excellent guess, and it's a very fair guess. But uh, that footage that you see uh, of Arnold Schwarzenegger in a taxi cab is, in fact, from the film Total Recall. Um, members will note that we've chosen a footage from the original Arnold Schwarzenegger version and not the 2012 remake with Colin Farrell uh, as, as such. So today we're going to be... Um, uh, talking through the um, uh, the recall provisions of the Nurses and Midwives Agreement. And just for members who are unfamiliar with how the podcast format works, uh, I think we've got a, just a little bit more from Arnold. I want to ask you a bunch of questions. And I want to have them answered immediately. All right, so we're going to be talking about two clauses today, clauses 50 and 51 from the Nurses and Midwives Agreement. Uh, those clauses are entitled uh, recall, return to workplace, and recall without turn, return to workplace, uh, which, Maddie, sounds kind of like two movie titles. It does, but not very good movies. Fair point. Uh, the recall clauses are not new. However, there have been some amendments in the most recent round. Uh, so the changes to the existing terms, uh, including the introduction of some additional uh, terms around emergency on, and on call uh, in terms of uh, Clause 50, and also some uh, additional provisions with respect to remote recall. Um, just in terms of starting with Clause 50 uh, and the new subclause around emergency and on call recall, um, that new subclause applies to specific areas, doesn't it? That's right. The new subclause at 50.5 applies to catheter lab and operating theatres, but we'll talk about the new clauses in greater detail in a moment. Uh, so, Maddie, uh, let's just start with the most obvious thing first. What is the difference between the two recall provisions? What's the difference between clause 50 and 51? The hint is in the title. Clause 50 concerns where the employee is physically being returned, uh, being recalled to work. Okay, and it's worth noting that 
In terms of a physical return to work, that involves not only being at work, but getting there and the inconvenience or the imposition associated with uh, getting to and from work. Over time, the scale of what an employee can do without physically, physically returning has increased significantly as technology has improved. Uh, and so that's probably then affected the terms of Clause 51. So whilst both of the clauses involve a recall to duty, um, the issues associated with returning physically to work uh, are, are a little bit different to some of the issues that can arise in the context of performing that work without without physically returning, returning uh, doing that work remotely. That's right. So the clauses vary to take into account those different impacts. Let's start by having an in-depth look at Clause 50, Recall, Return to the Workplace. So let's start at Clause 50.1. Now that states that the minimum overtime payment for a recall with a return to the workplace is, is three hours. Does the employee need to work for a minimum of three hours to be entitled to the three hour payment? No, they don't. The purpose of the minimum is to compensate the employee for the inconvenience that arises as a re result of being recalled to the workplace. Which is worth noting that that payment is at, is at overtime rates, uh, not, not ordinary rates. Um, just in terms of putting in place a minimum payment for that three hours, that does act as a disincentive uh, against recalling employees unnecessarily and for trivial issues. So the, the price of recall both compensates the employee for the inconvenience to them, but intentionally acts as something of a disincentive um, to avoid trivial, trivial recalls. It has a couple of different purposes. Yes. So an employee who completes the required work within the first hour, for example, still gets uh, further two hours of overtime payments uh, as such? That's correct. Clause 50.2 states that an employee recalled to work will not be required to work the full three hours if the work to be performed is completed in a shorter period. So in other words, if you're done, you're done. Correct. If the duties have been completed, then the employee would be entitled to finish the recall period and go home. The idea being that the inconvenience to the employee should be minimised. Um, and is there an exception to that three hour minimum overtime payment? It's at clause uh, 50.3, which states uh, subclause 50.2 above will not apply when overtime is continuous with the completion or commencement of that employee's rostered shift. So just to dig into that, um, the, the clause is stating that where the overtime comes directly after or directly before a shift, then that minimum three hour overtime payment uh, is, is not required. What's a practical example of how that might arise? One example would be if a nurse is rostered to work, uh, say, from 7.30am till 4pm and is called in at 6.30, the employees will be, uh, recall period would be from 6.30 to 7.30. Yeah, so it's running directly into a shift in that circumstance. That's correct? As the employee's recall is continuous with the start of their shift, the three hour minimum period uh, doesn't apply. So the 2020, the, 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 the new agreement also includes a new subclause that seeks to clarify when recall is considered to have commenced. Uh, we'll bring that up on screen now. The clause 50.4 states that the time spent traveling to and from a place of duty will be deemed to be time worked. Uh, Maddie, this was uh, introduced into the agreement as a point of clarification as to as what to clarify what was considered to be the commencement of recall uh, in that there has been some confusion and certainly some inconsistency of practice on that point. 
That's true. From our perspective, it's not an example of a new entitlement, but it's more clearly expressed. Um, there's another new provision that I want to go to now at 50.5, uh, and it's headed emergency on-call recall. Uh, it contains terms that took effect from the 1st of July 2021 and is limited in terms of the areas to which it applies. This clause specifically is in relation to emergencies in a capital laboratory or operating theatre. This is inclusive of anaesthetics and recovery. Okay, so we'll unpack that a little bit uh, more up on the screen. You just sort of, you've got the reference there, clause 50.5, applying from 1 July 2021 to catheter lab and operating theatres, including anaesthetics and recovery. So uh, maybe it brings us to that question of why do we have a separate clause for recall for catheter lab and operating theatres? Employees in catheter labs and theatres were at a greater risk of uh, having to work two lots of overtime, specifically at the end of a shift and as a result of recall. Over, uh, overtime impacts fatigue and working two lots of overtime in a day uh, even more so. So in limiting overtime to emergencies for this group, the objective of that clause is to limit the overtime to what's necessary rather than what's routine. That's right. Employees becoming fatigued as they were uh, completing routine overtime in addition to coming in for any emergency. So let's bring the first part of that uh, new clause up on screen. Clause 50.5a outlines the new limitation of emergency on call. It states that as of the 1st of July 2021, an employee rostered on call for the purposes of recall to staff an emergency in a catheter laboratory or operating theatre including uh, anaesthetics and recovery, will not be required to work overtime or be otherwise recalled other than for the emergency during the on-call period, uh, subject to 50.5b. Okay, so that, um, that explains the rule, uh, but the second part of the new term uh, sort of provides more detail about how that works in practical terms. It does, by three specific circumstances. Let's talk through each in turn. Okay, so the first circumstance is that 50.5b uh, Roman numeral 1 is that an employee may be required to remain at work beyond the completion of rostered ordinary hours to conclude a procedure that commenced before the conclusion of rostered ordinary hours. Yes, in seeking to reduce overtime, the normal practice of finishing what you're doing uh, for one of a better way to put it applies. Okay, so completing what you're doing is one thing then that's fine. Uh, the term then goes on to address a circumstance where someone completes a procedure that they commenced in ordinary time, they complete it in overtime, um, but is then required to remain on duty afterwards. Uh, clause 50.5b2 states that an employee is entitled to recall to duty in the event that they remain on duty after the completion of a procedure that commenced before the conclusion of rusted ordinary hours. I think that's a really important point. There is an additional entitlement um, of effectively that affects the cost uh, in that circumstance if somebody is being utilised for that routine uh, over time that's not, that goes beyond completing the work that you were doing. So there's clearly a strong distinction between uh, finishing a procedure and new work, and it's worth emphasising that if it is that uh, after finishing the procedure that had been started in ordinary time, that finishes in overtime, if you are required to do additional work that constitutes a recall, obviously that affects the price. Uh, maybe you said there were three circumstances uh, addressed by the clause? 
The third situation is at 50.5B3, which states, as far as practicable and having regard to fatigue considerations, each employer will seek to ensure that non-emergency overtime recall will be allocated to employees to whom A does not apply. Okay, so just to reiterate, um, the new term at Clause 50, um, Subclause A identifies cap, uh, cath labs and operating theatres as uh, in terms of the scope, in terms of this new rule. Um, Subclause 50.5B3 really reiterates that key principle that as far as practical and having regard to fatigue considerations, each employer will seek to ensure that non-emergency overtime recall will be allocated to employees to whom A does not apply. A health service should exhaust all other options to fill the routine roster before looking to the emergency on-call roster. Alright, so there's a little bit to digest, but it is um, worth people making sure that they have arrangements specific to those work areas having regard for that new subclause. Uh, but hopefully that wasn't too complex. Maybe that takes us on to clause uh, 51, recall without return to workplace. There is a greater potential to complete duties without having to return to the workplace, and this clause seeks to reflect that change. So let's bring that clause up on screen now. Clause 51.1 provides as follows. Where recall to duty can be managed without the employee having to return to their workplace, place, such as by telephone or computer, the employee will be paid a minimum of one hour at the appropriate overtime rate for each occasion, provided that multiple recalls within a discrete hour will not attract additional payment. So there are some examples uh, there of how duties may be completed without having to return to the workplace, but it's worth noting that's not an exhaustive list, is it? It's not an exhaustive list. Originally, uh, the clause just referred to work by telephone, but it now refers to computers also. And also note that where uh, recall occurs under this clause, the minimum entitlement is, is one hour at the appropriate overtime rate, as opposed to the three hour minimum entitlement under clause 50. Uh, Maddie, why is that? The absence of travel. So the discrepancy is intentional. The idea being that having to physically return to work is a higher level of inconvenience. And the clause also states that the employee will receive one hour at the appropriate rate for each occasion. Um, what does that mean in practice in terms of uh, an employee who receives, say, three phone calls between 8pm and 9pm? Um, how is that paid? Do they get paid one hour minimum for each of those phone calls? No, uh, multiple phone calls within the hour are covered by the payments for that hour. They don't generate a payment for each phone call. However, if, uh, for example, the employee does a telephone recall at 8pm and then again at 10pm, because that didn't incur within the same hour, the employee is entitled to two minimum payments. So to recap, if an employee receives, uh, say, two 15-minute phone calls within the same hour, uh, they would be entitled to one hour at the appropriate overtime rate. That's right. But if those two 15-minute uh, phone calls occurred in different hours, uh, they, they could say three hours apart, um, there would be two payments. Correct. And the, the new agreement uh, has also inserted a new subclause at 51.2, which is really directed to addressing fatigue. Uh, and we're going to bring that term up on screen now. 
So 51.2 uh, states where the employee is due to commence rostered ordinary hours within four hours of the completion of the last recall and the cumulative recall work in the eight hours immediately preceding rostered duty meets the following criteria. A, has uh, exceeded two hours of work rather than the time period or comprises three or more recalls over four, uh, four hours or more. The employer will not require the employee to resume or to continue to work without having uh, had 10 consecutive hours off duty without loss of pay for rostered ordinary hours or pay the employee at the rate of double time until released from duty for 10 consecutive hours without loss of pay for rostered ordinary hours during such absence. So whilst that term is on screen, uh, just worth looking at it and thinking about two components. Uh, the first component and A and B are really about when, when does it apply? And the second component at C and D is what you have to do. Um, so we'll work through those in turn, but remembering this is a term that is directed uh, at fatigue and the level of disruption um, that has occurred for the employee who is doing remote recall. So just in terms of to whom it applies, there are two criteria to consider. Uh, the first is that the last recall was within four hours of commencing the next shift and that uh, the amount of recall worked during the recall period, either in terms of the total amount or in terms of the number of, uh, of disruptions, um, activates the clause. There are two elements that must be met for 51.2 to be triggered. So the first is where um, the employee is due to commence the rostered ordinary hours within four hours of the completion of the last recall, um, must satisfy that. The second element is that the cumulative recall work in the eight hours immediately preceding rostered duty meets the following criteria, being that they, it has exceeded two hours of work rather than the time paid or comprises three or more recalls over a period of four hours or more. So leaving uh, aside that first element, which must be made about when the last recall was performed, in terms of how much, um, there are two ways to get there. Uh, it is either the, the total of two hours or more than exceeding the total of two hours of work, and that's um, the actual work rather than the pay, or the number of recalls uh, over four hours or more, that is three or more recalls over four hours. Um, but in terms of, yes, you must have had the last recall within the last four hours, um, but in terms of those two options of um, you can meet either of those, you don't need to meet both. It means that only one or the other needs to be met, but not both. So that means in a practical sense, last recall was within four hours, and uh, either um, the person has done more than two hours work, or they've done more than four recalls, um, uh, sorry, they've done three or more recalls over four hours. Uh, those, it can be either or. Um, maybe it is a new call, so let's run through some examples of how that criteria can be met. Sure, looking at 51.2a in the first instance, an employee has a rostered shift for 7am on a Tuesday. The employee is rostered for a recall from 11pm uh, through to 7am and receives multiple inquiries uh, adding up to more than 120 hour, uh, minutes of work. Uh, with the last recall being at 5am, the fatigue provision at clause 51.2 would then apply. I thought you were almost going to say 120 hours. 
as such, that would be a lot of work. Uh, it has to be said, or 120 minutes work. All right, so the fatigue provisions would also apply where an employee has the same roster uh, as in the example, maybe, that you've just given, but receives three or more inquiries within a four-hour window where that last disruption is within four hours. So we've covered when a person qualifies. We should talk about 51.2 itself, which sets out what an employer must do when there's that level of disruption to an employee to manage fatigue. So the obligations uh, that are set out in C&D uh, will be familiar to most members uh, in that they mirror existing fatigue obligations of Clause 53 for rest periods after overtime recall for a physical return. That's right. They're identical in this context, a context where the level of disruption uh, to someone doing remote recall meets the level described in the clause. The employer must either not require the employee to resume or to continue work without having had 10 consecutive hours off duty without loss of pay for rostered ordinary hours or pay the employee at the rate of double time until released from duty for 10 consecutive hours without loss of pay for rostered ordinary hours during such absence. Uh, so really what we're doing there is we're applying uh, an existing rule to a new circumstance to recognise that the capacity for disruption in that new circumstance, uh, that is remote recall, has increased uh, along with um, changes in technology. Thank you, Maddie. Uh, before we finish up, one of the new features that we have as part of this podcast is an ability for members to give feedback on the podcast in real time. And uh, I believe that we've already received a little bit of feedback uh, with respect to this podcast. Uh, let's take a look at that feedback now. Yeah! Thank you, Arnold from Payroll. Um, thank you very much for that feedback. It's a bit harsh, uh, but we'll take it on board. Uh, Maddie, thank you for taking us through clauses 50 and 51 of the Nurses and Midwives Agreement today. My pleasure.